This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 65. To another episode of Marriage to the Max. Hey there. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. <laughs> and I'm Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co founders of Home Encouragement. Woo-hoo. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Oh boy, oh boy. How are you today, Brett? I'm great. I'm ready to dive in. Despite the 30 degree weather outside, you're At doing well. At the time well? of this recording. Yeah, it's nice and toasty here in the studio, so we're good. Right. But if you're listening to this in the summer, that, then don't this be, would be irrelevant. Yeah, don't be alarmed. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, like not the rest of this podcast episode, it, it is irrelevant. Um, well, before we jump into today's podcast episode, I want to share a tip of the day. Sometimes we like to start out the show with a beef, a book, a resource, or a quote. What's your beef? Something that's helpful. Do you have a beef? I don't have a beef. I have a quote today. I can't wait till you have a beef, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Yeah. I I have lots of beefs. I just need to share them on the air, actually. Um, This is a quote from Gary Thomas, who is the author of the book Sacred Marriage, which is an excellent, in fact, one of our favorite marriage books. Yes, it is. I heard him in a recent interview, and he used a word picture that I thought was really helpful. He said, when it comes to your marriage, would your spouse say that being married to you is like being married to a prosecuting attorney? Ooh. Or a defense attorney. Ooh. Ooh, ah. (laughs) Are those my only choices? Well, in this word picture, they are your only choices. If being married to someone uh, who is like a prosecuting attorney, someone who's always trying to punch holes in your story, catch you in a gotcha moment, uh, wanting to just kind of nail you all the time. Yeah. Or a defense attorney is someone who comes alongside you, is on the same team, gives you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a great word picture. It's a great question, and I ain't answering it. <laughs> depends, depending on what day it is, I feel one or the other. It just depends. Well, today's episode is called How to Kill Your Marriage. Oh, my. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, dear. I know. Oh, my. Uh, and I purposely chose a very pro- provocative title for today's conversation yes, because I just did. wanted to get people's attention. I'm so <laughs> taken aback. But here's a little background on today's episode. A while back, there was a little blog post by blogger Caitlin Carmen entitled, Five Ways You Are Unknowingly Destroying Your Husband and Killing Your Marriage, which wow. is quite a provocative title. It's a long title. Anyway, this blog post went viral. And apparently there were a lot of people who could relate to the five things that she wrote. There were a lot of people who were very angry about it, but for whatever reason, it just hit a nerve for a lot of people. Hmm. And that blog inspired some responses, including an article by Lisa Jenkins Moore, who decided to put out a correlating list for husbands. Kind of an equal time thing. Yeah, equal opportunity. So I read both of these articles, and I thought they were weighty enough to warrant a Marriage to the Max podcast episode. All right. So are you ready to jump in? Well, I'm 
a little tentative now, but yeah, well, let's do it. You're, you're in. You're all in. All right. Well, we're going to begin with the original blog post, which is geared toward wives. Okay. So these are what was, this was the original thing that said five ways that women can, you know, kill their marriage, unknowingly uh, hurt their husbands. Well, let's hear them. Number one, living outside of what you can afford. This is what kills your marriage? Yeah, this is this is a word to wives. Now, I want to say from the outset, you could take any one of these principles and apply them to men or women. I don't think they're necessarily stereotypical, you know. This is just from this one blogger. Right. And then we'll talk after the break about the the correlating blog. I'm glad you're clarifying that because we don't want to make anyone angry if we can help it. No, I'm sure we do, but we don't in- intend to do that. Right. So the first one was living outside of what you can afford. Now, That's what I will killer. say is that Dave Ramsey and other financial experts say that money fights and money problems top the list for marriage problems and divorce. Mm-hmm. They absolutely do. So that is is valid. Here's a quote from the original article. She says, Constantly complaining about not having enough to fulfill your lavish desires or racking up astronomical amounts of debt on your credit card is a poor way of saying thank you to a faithful spouse who works hard every day to provide for the family. Wow. That's a good comment. Now, of course, this is making an assumption that only the husband contributes financially. But even if you are a dual-income couple... Or even if you're a single-income couple and the wife is making the money. This can still be a thorn in someone's side because no one wants to work hard only to come home and hear complaining about how they don't have enough money or how they don't have enough things Mm -hmm. or how they can never go on vacation and all of that. Mm -hmm. So what do you think as a man from coming from the male perspective? Do you think that's valid? Definitely. Again, we're stereotyping here, but all the husbands that I know, virtually all of them, this is very strong part of their identity is what they do for a living and how hard they work. They want some type of validation, you know, some type of appreciation or at least acknowledgement of that uh, level of sacrifice to, to make a living. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a valid thing. Valid, okay. Mm-hmm. I think back to when you and I were early married, and we did not have much money. No, we did not. And there were several years that were lean like that. Yeah. You know, you were working in a Christian education field that just did not pay a lot of money, but That's was true. very rewarding work. It was a great place to work and a great ministry, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't pay too well. Yeah, and so and I was a stay-at-home mommy with two little ones, and that was a value for us was for... Um, you know, for me to be at home as long as I could. We made that decision together. We were both in agreement on that. And so there were, you know, plenty of years where we just, we certainly did not have any excess money to go on trips or to do anything real fun with. But I I think somehow, and I I don't remember, I'm sure we had money fights, but I don't remember them as Mm -hmm. much. And I think they're also, too, we we adopted this mindset that this was just a season of life. Right. You know, that, hey, we don't have a lot of money to, you know, do a lot with right now, but we've got what we need Mm -hmm. and we prioritize, you know, the things that are important to us. And so we can get by on a few years of, you know, not having a new car and that kind of stuff. Right. So somehow we just remained kind of positive, and I don't know. I don't know why we just anticipated that at some point we wouldn't have as many money problems, and that was true later on. Yeah, I think we took it on as an adventure, and you know we clipped coupons, and eating out was a big deal. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of one of the cool things about it was eating out was a big deal. Yeah. Now eating out, we do we a lot. Take it for granted. Yeah, it's not as big a deal because yeah. we're not 
struggling to the extent that we were when we were younger. Right. So in some ways, we don't appreciate it as mm-hmm. much as we used to. Yeah. You know, but definitely the big benefit was um, that we were learning a lot of financial disciplines that we still use mm-hmm. in our marriage today. So we put them into place back when we didn't have a lot. Exactly. And then we then they're still in place. Yeah, it's kept us out of debt yeah. and some other things like that. So. But I think the main thing we did was we were in it together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Um, I mean, I was grateful that you were work. You had a job, yeah, you know, because so was I. yeah. So anyway, so that's valid. Okay, so that was the first one. The second one from the original blog post was constant negativity. Okay, that when a wife has constant negativity, here's a quote from the original blog: If there's one thing I've learned from my marriage, it's that a good man wants you to be happy, and if he can't help you do that, it makes him unhappy. Well, I think that this is one of those things that can go both ways. I mean, women are not the only ones who can be negative, you know, by any stretch. Men can be negative too. But no one wants to hear someone complain all the time. I mean, it is so draining. You hate your hair. You hate the mess around the house. You hate your dumb coworker. You hate the old dishwasher. I mean, it's just enough already. Mm -hmm. So start to recognize how you can turn your attitude around. There's even a scripture about this, and it's one that we women don't like to hear. I think it's from Proverbs. I don't know exactly it, where. It is. But it says the one that where where it's better for a man to live in the corner of an attic than with a complaining wife. Yikes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's definitely the the inverse is also true. Yeah. So what do you think from the male perspective? Do you think that's valid? Of course. Constant yeah. negativity, whether it's the husband or the wife, is um, it's a mo- drain. Mucho drag. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, even if you have coworkers who are always negative, mm-hmm. who wants to work with those people? Right. Nobody. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Attitude is a major thing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving on to number three, this is when women put everything and everyone else first. So here's a quote from the original article: "Put your husband first. Although it seems counterintuitive and counterproductive, I think you'd be amazed to find out that it's often the key to the greatest happiness in marriage." Mm. And what I will say is that we women do tend to do for others a lot, and sometimes this can be problematic. Mm -hmm. So when your children, your mom, your friends, your work, whether that be your career or volunteer activities, when all of that stuff starts to load up your wagon, you really can be too exhausted for your husband. Mm -hmm. I mean, busy seasons we get, but if this becomes a lifestyle, your marriage can really suffer. Um, you know, there's when you're on a plane and they give you the safety instructions, there's that rule that you put the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you can help other people. Right, exactly. Um, and it sounds selfish <laughs> or whatever, but it's true. And a lot of times we women tend to do for so many other people or say yes to so many things we're asked to do. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder why we're exhausted come nine o'clock at night and we have leftovers for our husbands, you right. know. So as from the male perspective. Yeah, no, this is definitely a big deal. At first, I want to defend women because I think women, most women wear more hats than most men do, okay. you know, and so they've got a lot more That's probably uh, fair. roles that they're balancing and so forth. And so to pull that off, you kind of uh, condition yourself to just go all out in all those roles just so that you don't feel like you're dropping one of those spinning plates. Yeah. So uh, I get that, yeah. you know, and that, and I'm very sympathetic to women in, in that regard. 
Yeah, and I think, too, especially, and this is just kind of a word to uh, maybe stay at home or work from home mommies, you know, who make that decision for a certain season to, um, you know, be at home full time. There's uh, sometimes a feeling of like we're not contributing to the family financially or we're not earning our earning our keep. That's kind of a dumb phrase, but just there's that mindset that sets in. And we feel like we've got to say yes to everything we're asked so that we can be busy and we can be making a difference and we can have some kind of, you know, significance to what we're doing. Because I, you know, don't get me started on this, but I think we give a lot of lip service about being moms and, oh, that's the most important job. But then do we really, really believe that? Yeah. Are we allowed to embrace that? Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, for whatever that's worth, because I, I remember being a stay at home mom when I, my kids were little and it's true. You get asked to do a lot of things and you really feel that tug of, well, I, I'm not working, mm-hmm. you know, so let me just say yes to a thousand things. Right. All, all, right. That, all that being said, though, it is a very valid point of contention is that a lot of times husbands do feel left out. So at, without blaming it all on the wife, it's it's definitely a source of conversation that needs to be had consistently. I think particularly when couples are having their first child and mm-hmm. you know women are experiencing the the bonding aspect of being mothers, you know, for the first time and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Husbands are going through something different and they don't get it. Yeah. And they're wondering, "Hey, what about you know, gosh, things were so great and we were <laughs> I had your full attention. Now, exactly. now someone's I'm, getting in the way. Now I'm just another diaper changer or whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, so, so men can get feel slighted, but uh, so I think they need to I think men need to anticipate that these seasons are going to happen mm-hmm. in in marriage and in family life, and it's going to take it's going to dominate a good chunk of your family time. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on to number four. This one is withholding physical affection. Mm. So, oh, I hear you, Mister like High that. Affection. Yeah, here's here's the quote from the article. She says, "Men crave and need physical affection with their wives. When you constantly decline intimacy, it wears on them." Sex should not be used as a tool to control your spouse. It should be viewed as a sacred tool to draw you closer to one another and to God. Mm-hmm. So this point may be making the assumption that you as a woman are a low sexual desire person and that you're married to a man who has high sexual desire. But that's not always that's the case. That's not always the case. Right. Um, and I, at our house, it is. You're a mm-hmm. high affection, high touch guy. Hey, what can I say? I fall on the lower side of the spectrum for that. But here's here's my advice as some a wife who's been married for 25 years, uh, 27 years. Whoops. And counting. <laughs> Are you losing Clearly. track? No, I think it's because I didn't have my Starbucks this morning. I'm no. blaming it on that. No. Um, here's the You're thing: is for women to not think of their husbands as redding pigs. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Some women just view their men view their men as just wanting to have sex. Just, Did you call me a redding pig? I said we're not viewing our husbands oh, as redding pigs. Thank but you. there's a temptation for women, especially if she's low desire and he's high desire. Mm-hmm. There is a temptation to just view them as wanting sex, period. But the truth is, he wants sex with you. Right. And so when you can make it personal and remind yourself of that, I just think you'll be better off. Um, You know, we marry the person we marry because they're wired the way they're wired. Mm -hmm. And it's not our job to try to change them to accommodate the way we're wired, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Um, So you would would wholeheartedly agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. With that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So don't that, withhold the physical affection. Right. 
But again, there needs to be conversation about it from both ends. I mean, there are things that both the high desire person and the low desire person can bring to the table Mm -hmm. in that conversation and working out what's a a reasonable schedule or – yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and we're just talking again. We're not talking about seasons. We're talking about over time, over a long time. Right. Right. You find yourself always saying no to sex. You right. know, Something needs to be shifted and no, adjusted. Without question. And then the fifth thing from the original article it said was when we not speaking his language. When we as women don't speak the language of our our men. Here's a quote. She says, "Women love to drop hints." But men don't always get them. Hmm. Don't waste your time giving subtle hints that he won't understand. Amen to that. Speak plainly to him. If he asks you what's wrong, don't respond with nothing, and then expect him to read your mind and emotions. Be open about how you really feel. Hmm. I concur. Of course, we've talked about this before on the podcast again and again, and this is one of the main tenets we teach engaged couples. You are not marrying a mind reader. Mm-hmm. you know. And when we expect our spouse to read our minds... We set them up to fail, period. I mean, there's just no getting around it. When we want our our partner to read our thoughts and they can't do it, then they're less than in our eyes. And Mm -hmm. that's not fair. I remember we were sitting with a couple recently, in fact, some friends of ours, and she said something that he had never heard her say before. And he asked her again, and she goes, yeah, I've told you that before. And he goes... I don't, I don't think you've told me that before. This is the first I'm hearing. She goes, I have. I've told you like a hundred times. And they kind of went back and forth and argued a little bit and dug a little bit deeper. And finally she goes, maybe I, maybe I have just kind of hinted at this, <laughs> you know, and just like realizing as she, you know, talked through it that maybe she hadn't said it as much as she thought she had, right, you know, and right. he clearly hadn't heard it, whatever it was, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know. So, Imagine that. So do you agree with that from the man's point of view? Sure. Yeah. Good, effective communication is always helpful. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we women, and I don't want to overgeneralize here, but sometimes we women do do that thing where if he knows me really well, he'll know exactly what I'm thinking. Wow. What a <laughs> remarkable impression that was. <laughs> of, of women in general? Okay. We're... I don't know who that was, but. <laughs> it was just one of my many voices. Yeah. Kind of an annoying one. <laughs> and you're listening to Marriage to the Max. to Marriage to the Max. If you're in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage, and we'd love to have you join us. So visit dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details. It's a way fun evening. Well, we're continuing our conversation about how to kill your marriage. It's so ominous. Well, 
I'm trying to be provocative. You're dark and intriguing. Today. Just <laughs> I haven't had my Starbucks. It's made me dark. I, yeah. What can I say? Hmm. Before the break, we were speaking to the women out there, and here's a review of the five things you can do if you want to sabotage your marriage. One is living outside of what you can afford. Two is constantly being negative. Hmm. Three is putting everything and everyone else first. Four, withholding physical affection. And five, not speaking your husband's language. So now we're going to turn the tables and speak to the hubbies. Uh-oh. Here we go. And here we go. All right. The first thing that men can do to kill their marriage is sparse communication. To have sparse communication. To have sparse communication. Here's a quote from the article. I once heard someone say that a woman's need for communication is as great as a man's need for sex. Well, then that's pretty great. There's no denying it is an important means of connecting for your wife. Open communication breeds trust, and trust produces intimacy. So guys, you need to learn how to talk to your wife. Yeah. Now, this one's difficult for me to imagine. I can't imagine being married to a man who doesn't talk much because you were like one of the highest verbal guys I've ever known. Although I think that has tapered off since I hit my 40s. Well, now you're in your 50s. So well, thanks. <laughs> what do you mean by let's, that? Let's broadcast that. No, I, mean, I just mean I'm just not, I don't have quite the energy level that I had when I was. I don't know. Even now, sometimes you are more loquacious than me. Oh, good Ooh, word. That's a $2 word right there. <laughs> Ka-ching. Well, I'll, I will wear that. But I will say, I know this is a problem because we sit with couples where it is very common for a wife to feel isolated from her husband simply because he just doesn't talk to her very much. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if you as a woman are not highly verbal, we still need that connection. And men may not see how talking is connected to sex right. in any way. Like most, they may not make that leap. Yeah, a lot of men don't. But most women will tell that. you it is. In general, this is an, a generalization, but mm-hmm. women need to feel loved in order to make love, and men need to make love in order to feel loved. Mm-hmm. So most women will say, that if they don't feel emotionally connected to their husbands, um, they won't want to be physically connected either. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if some men kind of get flooded by the phrase emotional connection. I wonder, especially to maybe really not that verbal guy, you know, who's just, you know, he's just not highly verbal. And you say something like emotional connection. I wonder if he's like, I have no idea what that means. Like, it's you know. just too much for him to get his brain yeah, around. Yeah, like, or... what does that even mean? And I just say, don't overthink it. It's mostly just talking and being a good listener. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not rocket Scientology. I love when you use that phrase. I'm sure you do. It's funny. But but do you agree as, as a guy? I mean, you're highly verbal, so we don't have this much issue much of an issue at our house right but, but we've dealt with a lot of yeah. couples and a lot of men and yeah that, sure yeah we've definitely seen this where a lot of men don't think to go there don't want to go there mm-hmm. or don't know how to go there yeah yeah and they just and particularly if they're just kind of low talk not low talkers but uh they don't talk a lot mm-hmm. um you know they they just kind of get in their zone and they go to work and they come home and they may watch TV or sporting and they just don't think about how they need to connect mm-hmm. um but i think when they start putting or connecting the dots between if she's feeling emotionally connected to you mm-hmm. then maybe other parts of your relationship you know relationship get better too. Yeah, right. All right, number two is few emotions. Few emotions. Few emotions. What in the world are you saying? Well, here's a quote. Your wife needs to see emotions other than anger and frustration. Oh, so two 
too few emotions, emotions yeah. from the husband. She needs to see you smile, laugh. She needs to see excitement on your face for something other than a sporting event. Well, I can provide that. And so for some men, this is not an issue. I mean, some men have <laughs> temperaments that allow them to show appropriate emotion. Okay. You're one of those temperaments. All you right. you you know have no problem uh, not showing emotion. I can bring it when I need to. Yeah. But if you're a guy who's buttoned up tight, consider letting loose around your wife because she needs to know that you're not a robot. Okay. <laughs> so right. would you agree with that? Well, Sure. Yeah. I mean, most women we've interacted with need to get some kind of response from their husband. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to say in general, culturally, at least kind of where we live, I think men sadly are are not taught, you know, from a young age that they can – Show a lot of emotion. They you haven't know. received that permission yeah, to be or, emotional, or maybe they they have permission to show anger. Mm. You know, that's manly, I guess. But uh, you know, to maybe cry in front of your—I mean, a lot right. of women have never seen their husbands cry, right? And I wonder if a lot of men think that represents weakness, or you know. Yeah. But I think most women would tell you it's just the opposite. I was at a breakfast this morning uh, with two other men and about my age, and they were. Uh, making that comment that mm-hmm. one of them said that he had only seen his dad cry one time, yeah. you know, in the 50 years that he had known him. So, yeah, this is definitely, I mean, it's it, the tide's shifting, mm-hmm. uh, changing, but yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely yeah. historically this, in, I say historically, in recent history, in the last hundred years or so, we have not... Uh, validated men's ability to express their emotions. Yeah. In biblical times, it was not a problem. I know. I think of King David, who was one of the greatest warriors that ever lived. Yeah. And he cried and, you know, he put all of the emotions on the table. And yeah. yeah, And he was as manly as they come. The complete package in that way. Yeah. So, okay. So that's one. Okay. The third one is lack of romance and touching. From husbands. This is yeah. This is two husbands. You uh-huh. know. So when you don't show enough romance and touching, uh-huh. then you are killing your marriage. Now, when you say touching, you mean NST. Let, let me clarify. We've said it before, guys. If the only time you touch your wife is when you want sex, she will begin to resent that touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it every every so many times. And even if your wife is not a high touch person, she still needs non sexual touch from you. And remember, too, that romance is not always what you think it is. Do tell. You know, so I think about, like, I think a lot of men hear, oh, you need to be romantic, and they go, oh, that means a big night out with flowers and candy. Well, you know, what I think of when I think of the word romance is sweetness. Hmm. And that opens up a whole new world because when you think of sweetness as being romantic, then a little sticky note that says I love you on her bathroom mirror is romantic. You know, a cute text with a little heart is romantic. Wait, I'm writing all this down. Yeah. A phone call from you during the workday saying, I don't have time to talk right now, but I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's romantic. It doesn't have to be over the top stuff. Right. It's just letting her know if those little sweet things happen every day, then you're doing what needs to be done. She's feeling connected to you and important to you. Right, right. Yeah, well. So I, you would agree with that? Certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I, we're just so agreeable today. Well, I'm I love not it. stupid. I know. You're not. <laughs> well, not completely stupid. <laughs> okay, moving on to number four, putting your career first. 
Now, this one I know may get some guys' feathers ruffled, but I just want to break this down. From the from the article, she says, Wives get hammered for putting the needs of their children before the needs of their husbands. Yet husbands often do the same with their careers. Where they put everything first with their right, career with their vocation. Job. It's part of their identity. But when you're at home, you must turn off career mode and focus on your wife with the same or greater intensity as you do your job. So what we say is, guys, if you find yourself saying this phrase a lot, as soon as this project at work is behind me, mm. I'll blank. Right. You know, or I'll be more connected with you as soon as I've got this case behind me mm-hmm. or over with. Right. That's that's fine for a season here and there. But if you're saying that all the time, mm-hmm. it's time for some reflection because you don't want your wife to have to say to you, you know, at one point, look, you say that all the time. Right. I never get to really spend good time with you. Um, so it's easy for for some men to put more of their energy into work because that may be where they get their kudos. Uh-huh. That may be where they're told, you know, they get, they get their attaboys there. But I think if you'll turn that around and start pouring in more at home, you may find your wife is more responsive to you. Mm-hmm. And over time, that's really the kind of marriage that you want. It's the kind of life you want. Yeah, the kind of life you want. Yeah. So I know that this is a, a tough one for guys to hear because, you know, you got to keep your job. you got to do well at your job. And I think it's tougher for younger guys who are trying to establish their place in this world and mm-hmm. really lock in on their identity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big part of yeah. of, of being male typically, yeah. you know, is they're, they're so closely tied to their vocation. Yeah. But the sooner you learn to do what you're saying, which is to put more energy into this lifelong commitment you've made to this woman mm-hmm. and make that the priority. Yeah, uh, there has to be a balance and a rhythm for everything. I agree, you totally. Know, work hard at your job and then come home and, and be fully present with your wife, Yep, I think I, is what we're saying there. I agree. And then the last point that this particular blogger makes is uh, when you expect that she will save the marriage. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? Well, in a lot of marriages, the woman is the one, and we see this play out, the woman is the one who buys the marriage book, or who schedules to attend the marriage retreat, or who finds a marriage resource. I mean, let's face it, men can sometimes be passive. Yep. Sometimes. It's not kind of an epidemic. You know, they, they may know intellectually that marriage takes work, but they don't want to invest in it. You know, I think Andy Stanley was the one who said, guys want their marriages to be like their cars. They want them to work, but they don't want to have to be working on them every weekend. All the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so... And, and sometimes maybe they don't know how to, you know, that it just doesn't cross their mind at how they can make their marriages better. Mm-hmm. So do away with the mindset that your wife will bring up the rear in getting the marriage on track. I just say, guys, take the lead. Mm-hmm. You schedule the date night. You secure the babysitter. You know, when you do things like that, it's about so much more than just that task. Mm-hmm. You're showing your wife how much you care about her and how much you value the relationship. You know, go buy a marriage book and surprise your wife and go, hey, let's read this together this year. Yeah, and even just that whole area of taking more initiative, mm-hmm. you really appreciate that mm-hmm. as a wife when I take more initiative. I so, know. So like on the trips, when yes. I plan all the details of the trip, you like that. We have a trip coming up in just a few days. All right, all right. And you've already scheduled you're, restaurant reservations. And you're excited about that. I'm super excited. Well, so if you want to know how to kill your marriage, So, man, we've got to get you a cup of coffee. (laughs) Then do these things, and over time, guess what? You'll be calling us. (laughs) (laughs) To kill your marriage? No, if they do these things over and over over time, then they'll be calling us for help. 
Oh. So we're trying to say, don't do these things, oh, okay. and you might actually so not have So we're trying to, to be helpful with this we podcast are trying, episode. I'm trying to be funny and dark and helpful at the same time. I guess it's not working for no, me. No, I think you've been all those things. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. And also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed. And if you have a topic or question you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, send us an email to thehursts, that's H-U-R-S-T-S, at homeencouragement.org, and we will do our best to get it on the air. And we hope you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes. That is a huge help and helps us to have a little more visibility. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. Oh,